Hey guys, Partick here. Welcome back to the Baseball Dad Show. And in this episode, we're going to talk about virtual pitching instruction. Now, the reason why I chose this topic is because last week I uh, opened up a new virtual coaching program called Virtual Velo. And this program enables pitchers to build their velocity from anywhere in the world, um, literally have players in all over the country and in different countries. Um, and I get to work with players directly to do that. Um, we've been building this out, testing it, tweaking it, perfecting it over the last year. The results are really off the charts. Um, you know, generally kids are looking at three to five mile an hour gain and some as many as seven. We've had three players that, that showed as much as seven miles per hour gain. So this is the most uh, exciting thing that I've worked on. Um, and I just, you know, for the future, um, I'm just, I can just not be more excited about this and then having kids already starting to come through it. And it's just really uh, just, uh, uh, I'm just thrilled. I'm just thrilled because it's something that I've been working on for a while. But so let me get into the question. So when we released this, we naturally got a lot of questions from parents. Now, you know, during COVID, our kids were all thrust into this virtual learning environment. I also want to make a point that it, I think it's really important to distinguish that virtual coaching from remote coaching. So virtual is still live, right? It's just that we're using this virtual connection to, you know, to, to connect, right? So it's still one-on-one -on -one training, but it's just, it's different than saying um, somebody's in one place and you're in another place and you're just, there's just going to be kind of information passed back and forth. No, this is actual coaching. It's just, the, it's just through the virtual connection. So when our kids were thrust into this kind of virtual learning, and I know there's all kinds of opinions about that, I get it, and certainly that's not my point, but, you know, we can kind of see like, oh, okay, a teacher teaches a lesson and, you know, we're, we're learning that lesson, our kids are watching it. Okay, we've all had meetings on Zoom or have done some things on Zoom, especially during COVID. Um, and so we get that, right? If you want to meet someone face-to-face, -face, Zoom is a great way, um, you know, that you can connect with someone as if they're sitting right there with you. But when it comes to something as complex as pitching, like, how does that work? Well, you know, I totally understand the question, but the question comes not from how it works. The question comes from, well, this is how we've been conditioned to see pitching instruction. And basically how we've been conditioned to see pitching instruction is you take your kid to a pitching coach, the pitching coach does some drills, the pitching coach stands there, you throw a bullpen, the pitching coach watches you pitch, tells you some stuff. You're, it's your job, it's the pitcher's job to trans, translate that, those words into feeling and movement and produce a result, okay? So, um, and then it's, see you next week, right? So as I've said in other podcasts, like, well, when does that end, right? You bring your kid to pitching lessons, when does that end? Well, it's just kind of like this merry-go-round that, you know, just kind of, you know, you, you, you kind of, um, you know, pass on by once a week on the merry-go-round twice a week and it just keeps on going well the single biggest difference that i would say in what traditional pitching instruction would be versus what we do in virtual velo is uh, i'm dealing in result so let me ask you a question when you dropped your kid off for the fourth grade did you know when that ended you knew at the end of the year right they graduate they'd have to meet certain standards to graduate you drop a kid off for college, you kind of know when that ends, right? But pitching instruction, we don't know when it ends. Just this merry-go-round, round and round and round. But when you're dealing with a result, and the result that I'm doing is moving kids from low-velocity mechanics to high-velocity mechanics, there is a start, there is a process, and there is an end. Now, 
there's not a predictable time period because you have kids at all different levels of development, all different levels of growth, all different time availability to, to work on it. But there's a, there is a start, there's a process, and there is a predictable end of where we're going to end. And so that would be number one, is that it's not this just ongoing process, right? Um, number two, which actually probably should be number one, is probably the overarching thing, is level of coaching. And so, you know, if, God forbid, you had something, you know, maybe a medical condition, right? God forbid that, um, you know, uh, if, you, if you had something that was really challenging for you and you had an opportunity to, to have access to one of the top experts in the field of whatever you were struggling with, and the only way you could get to them is through Zoom, and it was something that was important to you or something that, God forbid again, was serious, you'd want to go right to the top. You'd want to go to the expert because the expert will give you a level of, of information, advice. It will communicate to you in different ways. We'll be able to help you because um, their sole focus is in this one area and getting you better. Where maybe your local guy, I don't know, you know, probably good guy, probably knows a little bit about it, but is not one of the top experts. So the virtual, you know, you're looking at an overall, just a completely different level of coaching, right? Just a completely different level of coaching. It, it, it's like going to your local amusement park or going to Disney World. They are two completely different things. So that factors into it greatly. Um, now, so another question that kid that the parents have is like, okay, you're going to work with my kid. How, you know, are you going to watch him throw? Or are you going to, or are we going to go to the park or stuff like that? And I said, well, no, actually what, what I need to do with him is I'm, I'm rebuilding his mechanics. Now, if you followed some of the stuff I put out recently about the wobbly wheels, if your son has a wobbly wheel, has low velocity mechanics, there's something that's not functioning right in his delivery. I can't fix that as he's driving around the track. And now there's really something interesting that happens in a traditional pitching lesson, right? Because if a kid has a wobbly wheel, think, let's think about it from the race car perspective, right? If, if a race car has a wobbly wheel, and I always say Dale Earnhardt, it's the only name I know. So somebody else to give me who the best race car driver is. But so Dale Earnhardt's going around the track. He's got the, the best coach in the world in his headset, and he's got a wobbly wheel. That coach cannot fully really give him great advice because they're going to be doing two things. They're going to be managing the wobbly wheel. In other words, keeping this, the car straight and also trying to run the race. So if a kid is performing while he's trying to learn, it's over. There, it, there is, there, you cannot do two at the same time. You can perform or you can learn. You cannot do the two at the same time. We don't accept that in any other place. We don't, we don't, a math teacher doesn't give a math, doesn't give a math test while they're teaching a new lesson in the middle of it, right? They teach the lesson, then they give the test and there's two separate things. So now the only way to really fix, really to get that race car to have optimal function is to put that car into the shop, fix the wobbly wheel. And so I like to think, if you listen to the last podcast, I like to think of every pitcher I work with as their Dale Earnhardt with a wobbly wheel. If I fix that wobbly wheel, they could take it from there. He's still Dale Earnhardt. He doesn't need me past that, right? And that's what I'm talking about as far as getting a result, right? And so something that, that you, you know, when you're thinking about building mechanics and you think, so you have to fix the wobbly wheel in the garage. 
You've got to pull it into the garage and fix it, rebuild it. We use a process called the optimal build order. Where we're literally building high velocity mechanics piece by piece, right? Now, there's an interesting thing. Just let me just let me kind of go off on just a little side note here. Just so I think a lot of people have questions about pitching lessons, right? We talked about when do pitching lessons end, right? Well, I know when they end, right? They end when a kid isn't getting results. Um, the pitching coach runs out of stuff to say, and they're just kind of recycling through and a kid gets frustrated or the kid gets bored because they're not making any progress or there's, you know, there's, there's no end in sight. And it just kind of fades away like anything else might, right? That's not producing a result for us. But there's also another factor that's really, uh, I don't think a lot of people understand. So in the in traditional pitching lesson, you might have a guy who's standing there, right? And because you're performing and learning at the same time, there is a point where um, the, well, that will get out of balance, right? Because learning sometimes requires some struggle. And one thing we're not really good at pitch, as pitching coaches, we're not really good at standing next to a pitcher while they're struggling, mainly because we don't want anybody to see the pitcher struggling while we're standing there for they might attach what we're doing to that to that pitcher, like that, that if a pitcher looks bad, it somehow reflects bad on us. And we certainly don't wanna have a pitcher looking bad and us not saying anything, right? We should be intervening. Where, but the struggle is where pitchers will often learn the most if we just hang there with them for just through that struggle. And, and it's, not inter, it's not intervening with just try this, try that, no, do it again, let's slow it down, let's break it down. No, it's sticking with them. If you know the outcome, then you know it's part of the process of sticking with them through a tough time. If you don't know the outcome and it's just round and round and round, like the merry-go-round, then yeah, you'd intervene right? Because you want to look good. Now, here's the other thing is that because there's this combination of learning and performance, which is totally ineffective, there becomes a pressure of, you know, I got to send this kid out the door or back into the car with their parent, uh, you know, feeling good. So they come back next week, right? So when does that shift, right? The pitching coach doesn't want to, you know, sometimes let a kid leave when he's not doing well, right? That's not going to be good for business. So now you have this shift of like, okay, do I have to stop the learning here now to shift on some things that might make the kid look good or feel good? Um, because I've, you know, I, I've got to think about the merry-go-round. I need this kid coming back around on the merry-go-round next week, or I just don't want to look bad. And so that is that kind of round and round um, result where it's just kind of, there's no end in sight. And because there's no, there's no, there's no um, outcome that you're going towards, the process is just so murky. So, but if we're talking about a result, well, then that's a completely different process. So if we got a wobbly wheel, you can, you can spend, you can, you can spend forever managing the wobbly wheel and trying to perform. And that's what happens in most, most pitching lessons is they're not learning, they're not performing. They're trying to manage things in a way that will produce a result so the kid will look good, feel good, but ultimately it won't make him good. So I know that's kind of a long explanation of that, but it's really important to me that you understand that. So, so, um, so because it's a building process, I don't need to watch the player throw. In fact, I really only need to see one pitching delivery. Now I'll look at two or three just to confirm what I saw in the first, um, I would probably say 99.9% .9 of the time, everything I saw in the first delivery was confirmed in the second and third, because I'm looking at high velocity or low velocity patterns. I'm not looking at one particular pitch or delivery. And patterns are something that have to be changed. 
And patterns are something that, um, you know, sometimes parents will say like, well, I want to send you a video because he's changed a few things. He's tweaked a few things. And I say, okay, well, send me another video. And then I'll show them the two videos side by side. And I say, look, you're, you're just looking at, you're looking at things that really aren't matter. You see that the general, the general mechanical patterns are still there. So I don't need to watch a player throw. Well, I don't need to be, a pitcher doesn't need to be throwing with me for me to change him. Because again, I'm going to assume he's Dale Earnhardt. I'm going to fix his wobbly wheel. When he fixes his wobbly wheel, now he can drive at full capacity. Um, now, some of the other things that I've heard is, um, you know, uh, parents that want to work with me that say, no, well, my son needs one-on-one -on -one in person. He needs to be there in person with you. That's the only thing that's ever worked for him. And so I always ask, well, how many times has he been, how long has he been doing one-on-one -on -one lessons? Well, since he started playing. And I said, okay, well, you know, how are, how are things going? Well, he's struggling with this. He's struggling with that. He's struggling with this. And I say, well, doesn't sound like one-on-one -on -one lessons are working. And they say, well, that's the only thing he's, you know, he'll, he'll respond to. I was like, well, but then why are you talking to me? You know, if it's the only thing that will work, why, you know, why, why aren't you just sticking with that or going with someone locally? And then it comes back to, well, he's not getting the result. He's, he, nothing's getting. I said, okay, well, maybe you need to change your approach to that. Um, uh, another thing I hear is, you know, in, in order to work virtually, that there's going to be some, there's going to be some work to do on the player's part, right? The player has to do some work. Now, um, most parents will interrupt and say, well, I, I don't know if he's going to do the work. So there's two parts to that answer. Number one, what do you think the work is? Because a lot of what we think a pitcher has to do has been what we've been conditioned to from the baseball industry to think is a workout. So you may have a, a baseball academy or a training facility say, well, we have a 90-minute workout. Okay, well, you don't need 90 minutes to work out. Now, there might be 20 kids in that class, and it takes 90 minutes to run 20 kids for a class. But that's not what you need, right? Um, you're, that's not what you need. That's just what they can sell. That's just their business model. So the work that my pitchers have to do for what we're doing in shifting from low velocity to high velocity mechanics generally is about 15 minutes a day. Changes will come, depending on how much time they have to work, four to six weeks. Now, when that, when, when I kind of explain it like that, they're kind of like, oh, I get it. Like, okay, so, and then, then if, if people say, well, I, I'm not sure if he'll do the work on his own, well, then I would, my advice to them, and I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk or, or to be rude, but my advice to them is you should probably go do something else. Because if you go through any of the books that have kind of tried to, you know, reverse engineer um, great athletes or great successes, you'll find two things in place that there has to be some kind of a genetic ability. So if your son is playing, he's got some genetic ability. Um, and the second thing that all great people have in common is self-directed work, which means that they did the work on their own and they were able to, and if your son doesn't have that, um, or won't put in even a minimal amount of time, um, then yeah, I, I mean, there's not much I, that I, as a coach, I, I don't have the raw material to do what I can do. There's, if your son's not going to do that, there's nothing I'm going to be able to do to help him. Um, the, the other thing that I think uh, has been a question is, well, parents will come in and say, uh, well, you know, he's got a problem with this, 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 and this, and they come with a diagnosis looking for me to write the prescription for it. And oftentimes their diagnosis is way off and their diagnosis is probably by someone who doesn't know what they're talking about, which goes back to the level of coaching. 
Um, so th those have been the things that have come through over the last week. And the results of the program so far have just been off the charts. I mean, the success rate, um, I mean, we don't have a super large sample size, but right now the success rate is uh, basically if the kids are, are, are working the program, they're getting the results. And so um, it's been really exciting to watch. And one of the other great parts of, of the virtual world is that, um, you know, everything's recorded. And so that kind of allows a player to just kind of be in the moment, right? As we're doing um, the lesson and we're working through things, they're not trying to understand, remember, you know, on and on. You know what I mean? They're just kind of, they can go through it and then be able to review that again. Um, so it, it's, it's just, for me, this has been, uh, this is where I will, you know, certainly um, will put the, the bulk of my efforts towards is working with pitchers in this way because I see how helpful it can be. Um, the last thing that I would add would be um, I work, I get to work very differently than my colleagues might work or, or, or at least coaches that he may be used to works in that I'm not trying to win games. I'm not trying to fill a roster or decide on playing time and who gets to pitch. And I'm not trying to get you to come back next week. I'm not trying to fill a 30,000 square foot facility with people. My sole focus is the athlete and getting them a result, period. There's nothing else. I have no horse in the race. And I also come in with no history. Right. So a player shows up in front of me and I don't know what happened to him last year or the year before. I'm not the coach who, you know, who has this opinion or that opinion of them. Like, no, they're totally clean. Right. Um, and all I try and look at is how the player is moving and and what I have, what's the raw material that I have. Um, parents will give me a lot of other information, some of which can be helpful, most of which, you know, really isn't or I try not even to to give it much, um, you know, to have it affect in any way, the way that I coach, I like to come in totally clean. So, you know, that way a player has kind of a fresh start and, and, um, you know, and can, can learn as they need to learn and we can work together to get that result. So that's kind of a long 18 minutes. Good. My goodness for a baseball dads podcast. That's, that's an eternity, but this is something I'm so passionate about because I really think, uh, it's certainly the future of my coaching. I think it's the future of coaching, um, in general, and um, I just could not be more excited. So if you want to work with us inside of that virtual VLO program, uh, either send me a text or uh, send me an email. Um, just put virtual VLO there. If you want to put like baseball that you heard, you know, from the Baseball Dad Show, go ahead and do that. And um, and then I'll respond back to you. And you, my email is paulreddick at gmail.com. And my, uh, my cell phone number is 201-323-0840. Those are both linked in the show notes. And... That's it, guys. If you have any questions about virtual training, certainly you can send those along. Um, and this, well, the last thing I'll say is this. One of the things that I'm doing with this program, because there are so many questions about it, is I'm kind of putting my money where my mouth is. Um, I'm not asking anyone to uh, invest in the program until I prove that I can produce a result. So we're making a pretty big promise, right? And we're saying that not only making a big promise, but we're saying that we can do it virtually. Um, so I get it. Right. So um, I, I it's you know, for me, I'd rather prove it to someone than convince them ahead of time, you know, and prove it, like put all the risk on my shoulders, you know, to come through and deliver for you. So 
Um, if you want to work with us in that program, I can send you the info. It's a really simple process. You put down just a small deposit to hold your spot, and then um, and then we take it from there, and then we just go full on into the program. So, uh, any questions? Again, send me a text or send me an email. All right, look forward to talking to you guys, and I'll see you on next week's episode. Ooh, twenty minutes! My goodness. Okay, let's end it.